tuning into episode 63 of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, ultramarathon runner, and creator of The Path Back, an online pornography addiction recovery program that is helping people reclaim their lives from pornography addiction and compulsive sexual behavior. If you or anyone that you know is struggling with pornography addiction, please point them to pathbackrecovery.com. There you can download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to overcome pornography addiction. And again, that is pathbackrecovery.com. And I want to continue to thank you for your feedback. Um, you can connect with me at contact at tonyoverbay.com or go to tonyoverbay.com. You can sign up to get um, the first news on upcoming programs about couples communication, about parenting, and a lot of other fun topics that I cannot wait to uh, to talk more about. Um, let me take a moment quickly. I'll try to, to move through the uh, the business sort of things as quickly as I can because I've got a really exciting topic today. But um, if you've heard the podcast before, you'll probably know what's coming. But I do have a new bit of business to talk about as well. But first, let me take a moment to tell you about Bloom for Women. So um, if you go to bloomforwomen.com, there uh, Bloom offers online programs, expert help, and an extremely empathetic community to help women heal, strengthen, and grow past the trauma of infidelity and betrayal, whether it's betrayal from a spouse who may have a pornography addiction or a sex addiction or from the emotional betrayal of an affair. So please visit bloomforwomen.com and you can use uh, the coupon code, it's all one word, virtual couch, for a month's free access to all of their evidence-based programs and the entire community that, again, is designed to help people heal and recover from betrayal trauma. And also, and uh, my, my head is the uh, recipient today of a, a clean shave from the fine folks at Eli's Extracts, which is all natural organic shave cream scented with the healing properties of essential oils. You can visit Eli's Extracts, E-L-I-S-E-X-T-R-A-C-T-S.com and use coupon code virtual couch, all one word for 25% off your entire order of their all natural organic shave cream scented with essential oils. And if you didn't listen to the end of the last episode of how to raise an adult with my friend, Jonathan Alba, um, boy, I did not, he, he, he delivered, he went big on talking about uh, his experience with Eli's Extracts that had to do with the bathtub and entire family. And, uh, and it is, a, it's one of the best stories I think that we've had on on the podcast. So uh, check that out if you haven't listened to that episode as well of how to um, how to raise an adult. And here's here's a new partner that uh, I am just fascinated by. This. this is one of those things that makes me kind of feel bad that I feel like I can't actually take advantage of this um, program without feeling like a, uh, you know, like I got a lot of work to do on the front end, but that is not the case. This is a, hey, how about this? Goodbye allowances. Hello, money pants. So if you go to captainmoneypants.com, there's a, it's a link. It talks about the Money Pants app. And this is a tool for parents who want to teach their kids to work for what they get. Maybe I can kind of let that one sit, right? So it's a tool. It's easy to use, but it is extremely powerful. And everybody uses it. I mean, everybody in the family has access to this. And it's a tool for all family sizes. It doesn't matter if it's big or small. And it's a tool that leverages the family's resources that you have right now. You, you don't have to have a big income, um, whatever you have. Um, but it calculates how much a family spends on all kinds of non-essential items uh, for each family member. And depending on the, again, the income, family size. And then it allows members of the family to earn that money through completing chores and achieving personal goals. And the app automatically creates these personalized chore and progress charts and pay amounts that match the economic situation of the family and current spending habits. So the idea behind it is to allow family members to not only have the opportunity to work for and earn some of the things they get and develop more appreciation for what they already have, but it prepares them for real life when they need to have these skills and money management, and they also get some nice practical self-care skills and personal talents, and I am a huge fan of self-care skills. That goes under my concept of the emotional baseline. So go to, you can find it in the App Store, um, the uh, the Apple or iTunes App Store, um, or go to CaptainMoneyPants.com, and it really is pretty neat. I mean, I can't even go on, I could, but about all the different things that it does. 
So let's get to today's topic. And before we do, <laughs> false start, right? Before we do that, um, today is Monday, the 25th of June, 2018. And Wednesday, the 27th is National PTSD Awareness Day. And so I am releasing a special bonus episode that day. And honestly, I, I have been waiting to release this for a couple of weeks after I recorded it. And it's with a gentleman named Jeff Adamick. And Jeff is a He's a former special forces, um, uh, he's special forces, he's Green Beret, um, six tours of duty behind enemy lines in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I interviewed him a couple of weeks ago just about the concept of what that was like from a PTSD standpoint. And I really, I could have talked to him for hours and I felt like we only talked for a few minutes. The interview does go an hour. And if you want to, I mean, if you want to go ahead and listen to it, um, it is in YouTube, in YouTube, it's in the YouTube on the interwebs, but it is at my YouTube channel. So just look up Virtual Couch um, channel on YouTube and look for that interview with Jeff Adamick. And it is just absolutely fantastic. And he just talks about what that's like to be behind enemy lines in country, even when they are so secretive that they are supposed, you know, no one is supposed to know they're there, but how that still causes this constant feeling or state of awareness or hypervigilance, and then how that um, basically creates this PTSD-like response that then carries through into um, even when he comes back home after mission. So an amazing interview. I'll air the audio portion of that on Wednesday, the 27th, in honor of National PTSD Awareness Day. But you can go watch that interview right now on my YouTube channel. Okay, let's get to the topic today. The topic, uh, when I did an episode a couple of weeks ago about happy happiness, how to be happy, and I referred to a book called The Happiness Trap, which is one of my favorite books. And it's by a gentleman named Russ Harris. And he is one of the one of the the founders, co-founders, creators, um, just one of the big names in this type of therapy called acceptance and commitment therapy, ACT. And you use that, you, you say it just like that, ACT. But acceptance and commitment therapy has just generated a ton of interest. I've gotten more emails and just people asking me about that in person over the last uh, couple of weeks since that episode aired than, than I've heard from in a, in a long time. And especially I had promised a friend of mine, I've been telling her, okay, I got to get this episode out because she's asked me if she could, uh, she wants to know more about acceptance and commitment therapy. So I want to just make this a fairly brief podcast to just hit on a couple of the beginning principles of acceptance and commitment therapy. So let me give you a little bit of a background first. So acceptance and commitment therapy for any of you psychology, just nerds or geeks out there. It's based on, it's called relational frame theory. If you go back to your old psychology 101 days, that's uh, RFT. And why that's significant is that was this comprehensive theory of language and then behavior, language and thought. And it's an offshoot of kind of like behavioral analysis. And so RFT, this relational frame theory, and then ACT, acceptance and commitment therapy, they're based on this guy named, you might have heard from him in psychology, but B.F. Skinner, and just has this philosophy he called radical behaviorism, which basically was a lot of, um, it was a behavioral reasons why we do the things that we do. But then as Skinner got really stuck up on the, not stuck up as in he thought he was better than, but um, there I heard one psychologist say that, you know, Skinner had a hard time even working with a, a shopping list because he just looked at language and how language affects behavior. So, so this relational frame theory really took a look at how we, how we use language, why language is important to us, and what our reactions to language is. Now, I just want to immediately fast forward and say how often in your relationships with your, with your um, spouse or with your kids or coworkers, when somebody says something, you say, well, they said it. I mean, that's, that, is, that is gold. That's their truth. And what Skinner identified and then what acceptance and commitment therapy works a lot with too is we have these reactions to language or, the, or what people say 
But what we have to kind of look at behind the scenes is what we're what our reaction says about us or what we kind of bring to the table. And and even in sense that I talk a lot about empathy and understanding what other people are talking about. And so someone's experience with something or their why they use certain words to express something um, might be completely different than the way that you hear um, what you hear. So we'll get onto that in just a minute. So ACT, and if it's okay, I'll just call it ACT instead of acceptance and commitment therapy every time. So ACT differs from this traditional kind of the fundamentals of therapy, this this thing called cognitive behavioral therapy, in that rather than trying to teach people to better control their thoughts or feelings or memories or uh, their sensations or all of those type of things, rather than try to control those, the thoughts, feelings, those are the key ones, Um, ACT teaches you to kind of just notice them, to be aware of those thoughts and feelings, then to accept them, kind of embrace them, um, especially the previously unwanted ones. That's the key here. So let's take a step back. Cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, you might have heard of that. CBT has been around for a long time, and CBT was kind of uh, there at the forefront of moving from behavioral. So we had to do things to feel better to start looking at the cognitive part or the way that we viewed our thoughts. So cognitive behavioral therapy said that basically this formula that our thoughts control our emotions and our emotions control our behaviors. So as a cognitive behavioral therapist, which I've done some time with before I learned acceptance and commitment therapy, and I'm not taking anything away from from CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, but typically you would get someone to then kind of look at those thoughts they have as, as maybe automatic negative thoughts. We even call them ants in that scenario, and you want to stomp out the ants. But we would have these automatic negative thoughts where we would have these immediate reactions or thoughts to a situation. And in cognitive behavioral therapy, as a therapist, you would say, okay, what are other reasons that could happen? And I, when I used to speak on this, I gave a pretty, um, I had a pretty, I don't know, kind of an on the nose example, but I thought it it worked well where I had a a client one time who was struggling with some um, social anxiety. And so we were basically just working on him reaching out to, uh, he wanted to go on dates. So he was going to start reaching out to some women that he was interested in and just ask them out on dates. So as a lot of people do in therapy, he waited till I think the day before and <laughs> to do the homework. And then he reports back to me that he had called this woman and she hadn't gotten back to him. And he was down. He had had a completely horrible day. He almost didn't come into therapy. And so when I was a CBT cognitive behavioral therapist, then I said, okay, what's his thought? You know, his thought is that she, she doesn't like him, that she saw the number, she dismissed it, she, and she wants nothing to do with him. Which that led to an emotion for him of just sadness and sorrow and he's never going to be good enough. Which then led to that behavior of he didn't go to work and he shut down for that entire day. Lost the entire day. So the interesting thing was we found out a couple of days later after he had met with me that she had actually um, dropped her phone in some water, I think, and had had it in rice, that whole thing. So she was uh, off the grid for a few days and she got back to him and, uh, you know, and, and said, hey, that'd be great. Let's go out. So in, cog- in the cognitive behavioral therapy world, then if he had an automatic negative thought, again, that somebody didn't get back to him or something didn't happen the way he wanted to, a cognitive behavioral therapist, a CBT therapist in that model is going to say, okay, what could be other situations that are happening? So you're, you're trying to learn how to control those thoughts and, and feelings and saying, you know, there could be a completely different version of that reality. So the theory there is that over time you would get, you would come up and, and you would have this negative thought and then you would identify it as a negative thought. And then you would think of what's a more positive thought? What else could it be? And then that would in theory lead to a different emotion. Okay, now I feel better about myself and the behavior. Um, then I'll go about my day. I'll go to work and I'll be productive. The hard part is it's, it's pretty um, easy to teach that in session, but it can be difficult when the person's out in the wild and they run upon another situation because oftentimes no two situations are the same. And then they say, okay, no, this time, you know, 
no, she really does not. She, she doesn't like me. She's not going to get back in touch with me. So, and then it just kind of sends them into this negative spiral. So again, there are some amazing cognitive behavioral therapy books and cognitive behavioral therapy practitioners, and it, it is, and it is, it works for a lot of people. So that acceptance and commitment therapy though, kind of takes that a little bit differently. So now it says that we're going to just kind of notice, we're going to see those thoughts or feelings. We're going to notice them and guess what? We're going to accept them. Um, so acceptance and commitment therapy helps the person get in contact with kind of the sense of yourself as this observer or this self as context. So you're always there kind of observing and experiencing, um, your thoughts and your feelings and your sensations and your memories. So in that example, I give when the guy felt down and a lot of sorrow around the fact that he didn't hear back from this woman, instead of saying, Hey, I I think you might not be right. Like it could be a lot of these different things other than that. You're saying, okay, I totally understand that why you feel the way you do. And it's okay to have those thoughts and feelings because guess what? You are a human being and you have a lot of kind of baggage. I might sound a little dramatic, but the baggage you bring into that situation. So regardless of what that is. So if you, you know, if somebody, if you don't get a, a job that you want and then you feel, you know, really bad about it, a cognitive behavioral therapist might say, you know, hey, it, it might not have been about you. They could have been looking for someone else or, or they could have uh, already had an idea of working with someone else locked in there. So where acceptance and commitment therapy might say, okay, yeah, I bet it feels kind of bad to not get that job. And I understand that you put a lot of effort into that. And guess what? You're human and you you wanted that job. Maybe you don't like your current job. Maybe you saw that job as a way out. So of course you're going to feel the way that you do. You're going to feel some sorrow. You're going to feel down um, because you're human. And that is you. That is the way, that's the baggage, the schema that you have coming into the situation. So what then you work with, which I absolutely love in acceptance and commitment therapy, is saying now we're going to work in helping the the individual clarify their personal values and then take action on them. And this is going to bring more meaning to your life, um, kind of this more purpose-driven life, and, and it increases what we call in the business psychological flexibility. So oftentimes kind of in, in Western psychology, uh, this some of the older models of psychology typically operated under a healthy normality, which means that by our nature that we are psychologically healthy. So, but that's that's the hard part, right? Because why is there an increase in depression and anxiety and PTSD and these sort of things if we are assuming that we should be psychologically healthy? Now there's that word, right? I have said before, I don't want anybody to should on you. You know, you should just, you should just get over it. You should just feel better. You should just be, you should just be mentally healthy. You should just get up and go for a walk. We don't want to be should on. I mean, those are all things that are kind of not taking into account what we have gone through to get us to the point that we are. So acceptance and commitment therapy resumes rather than the, the, the psychological processes of a normal human mind are typically destructive, meaning that if we let ourselves, you know, acknowledge that we're sad, you know, a lot of people want to say that then you're just going to, you're going to go, you're going to get even more sad. But the core concept of acceptance and commitment therapy is that psychological suffering is usually caused by avoidance. Um, it's experience, uh, avoiding experiences, experiential avoidance, cognitive entanglement, and the resulting kind of, you, you get in this pattern of what we call psychological rigidity, rigid thoughts that lead to failure and taking the needed behavioral steps. And which means that when we start to feel crummy about ourselves, then we kind of feel like, and we've developed a pattern of feeling crummy about ourselves. Guess what? We believe we're pretty crummy people. Here comes that guilt and shame. And then we then fail to, to take steps on maybe the behavioral steps that are going to be more in line with our core values. 
And so that's the hard part. And now guess what? This is where this stuff all starts to, to become intertwined. When you don't like the way you feel and you've been told that you shouldn't feel that way, here comes our old friend addiction, you know, addiction, whether it's uh, pornography addiction, compulsive sexual behavior, food, um, TV, whatever it is, that's the part where our brain says, hey, I, you don't want to feel this way. You don't want to feel bad. So let me give you this little dopamine bump here um, by doing this, this thing that's going to make you feel a little bit better for the moment. But guess what? It's actually going to putting off the, the experience. It's the avoidance so that then you are going to come out of that situation actually feeling a little, a little bit worse. So ACT views the core of many problems due to the concepts presented in this acronym that I love, FEAR, F-E-A-R, FEAR, fusion with your thoughts. We're going to talk about that, fusion with your thoughts. Evaluation, oh, that's the F, by the way. Evaluation of your experience, there's the E. A is avoidance of your experience. And then R is reason giving for your behavior. So right there, fusion with your thoughts. That is, a, that is an amazing concept in itself, fusion. So fusion with our thoughts goes back to that relational frame ther- theory that I was talking about in the beginning, the total uh, geeking out on old school psychology. Fusion basically says that you, you start to identify your thoughts um, s- just securely connected to your, the language or the thing. You, you can't avoid thoughts. I mean, that is like what we are kind of learning now. You can't avoid the thoughts. So you become, here's the, the negative though, then you become fused to thoughts because if you start believing that every thought that goes through your head is real and rational, it's the truth, then you become fused to your thoughts. So then when your brain tells you that you are, um, you can't do something or, or something happened because you're a horrible person, you're already, you're already on board with that. You're fused to that thought. So, you know, um, the way that we, we're going to start working with an acceptance and commitment therapy, you work with this concept of diffusion. So let's just say, for example, that you need to study. Let's go into the world of procrastination. And you just say, I'm too tired. You become fused with that thought. You have, have bought into the, the, the narrative that you've told yourself that, hey, oh yeah, I'm too tired, so I can't do it now. I'll do it when I'm not tired because if I start now, then I'll have this horrible experience. You have bought into that. Now, acceptance and commitment therapy and this concept of diffusion, so the opposite of fusion, diffusion, and, and I want you to take this away if anything today, just I'm having the thought that I don't want to begin or I'm having the thought that I'm too tired to study. I mean, that, that right there is diffusion. It's like, I'm noticing that I'm getting angry. You're not angry. You're noticing that you're getting angry or I'm, 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 I'm anxious. I'm kind of freaking out in my head. Even just to start to label that, I notice I'm having the thoughts that I'm getting anxious. I know it can sound a little bit fluffy, but that is the first step is diffusing, you know, untangling this fusion with your thought that your belief is that you know, that thought, that's my brain telling me the truth. I mean, we have to start looking at that as that is not the case. So we need this diffusion. So a healthy alternative to that fear, which is the bad thing, fusion with thoughts, evaluation of experience, avoidance of your experience and reason giving for your behavior, basically excuses. Um, the healthy alternative is as act, uh, acceptance. So accept your reactions and be present. That's again, you're a human being. You have a lot of baggage. It's led you where you are now. That does not mean you are a bad person. When people say, just think of it this way or just get over it. They, they don't understand what you're going through. There's no empathy in those statements to understand why you feel, think, or react the way that you do. Uh, I was kind of thinking about this and I couldn't come up with a, a, something super quick. So I was, I, and so here's me being vulnerable, right? I am a small man, a small human being, uh, so that people don't think I'm like, you know, I don't know, one foot something or, uh, five, seven, maybe five, eight with shoes on. So when taller models of human beings are around me and they say, you know, it really doesn't matter. Height really doesn't matter. So just stop thinking about it that way. You know, where's that empathy, right? Um, here's where, here's where the acceptance of my reaction to be present is it's like, no, I'm good. It really doesn't matter. Um, 
you know, that, that, that somebody's trying to tell me, you know, just get over it. It's okay for me to kind of think of all those times where there were the short jokes in high school. Actually, cue the sappy music, right? Um, because that is, you know, it's okay. Now, what do I do with that? Is that productive? Do I get little man syndrome? Do I get angry when anybody ever makes a short joke? No, because that's not part of what my core values or beliefs are. I want to be a happy person. I want to be productive. I want to be a good example to people. I want to, I, I feel, you know, called to, uh, to try to help people. So the part where I would get angry if somebody makes a short joke, has zero productivity in that environment. So I accept my reaction. You bet. When I, I told this story before, a, a ginormous client back in the day, pushing seven foot tall, I'm walking back to my waiting room and uh, hadn't met him before. I'm like, hey, tell me something bad about being so tall, you know, as I have to crane my neck to look up at him. And he doesn't say anything. We get back to my office and he sits down. I kind of chuckle and I say, hey, I, you probably didn't hear me, but uh, yeah, I just said, uh, tell me something bad about being so tall since, you know, I'm not very tall. And he was like, oh, no, no, I heard you. I was just trying to think of something. And, you know, it's like, oh, man. And they didn't tell me the airplane seats are bad and that sort of thing. So um, but accepting my reaction and being present. It's OK. It's OK to feel the way that you do. But here's the next part. This is the C. So the A was the accept your reactions and be present. C, choose a value direction. Now, here's where we start clarifying your values and your beliefs. This is the key. So and, and I've done many episodes now on the concept of mindfulness. And sometimes the, the knock on mindfulness, the, the knock on trying to just recognize a thought as a thought and to you know sit on the side of the road and observe your thoughts as if they were these passing cars. Sometimes the knock that I hear is, okay, well, then you're not doing anything about it. And, then, and that's, that's where I'm, oh my gosh, okay, I've left out a big piece of this is that you choose a value direction. You have your, your values and your goals. So um, if you're unsure of what these are, there's some things you can, I, maybe I'll try to send some links to some of these on the, on my webpage, but uh, some examples, last day on earth, you know, what are you going to do? Or what would you tell your 10 years ago self with the knowledge that you have now? If, if you're, if what you would tell yourself is, Hey, spend more time with your family 10 years ago, then that kind of speaks to your value. So it's like, okay, then one of your values is trying to create more family time. If, if it is about you know, achieving some financial freedom, no judgment there, if somebody grew up in poverty, then if you are procrastinating or you, know, you don't want to do the work to get your degree or to, to, to learn a trade or to you know, explore a business opportunity because of procrastination, then perfectly normal to have those thoughts or beliefs or, or those thoughts or, or feelings. But is that in line with your, your values? If your value is, is helping to get your family out of poverty, if your value is I'm going to to do a career change because I want to feel passion about my life, but then I but then I don't want to take action, then that is an unproductive thought. You need to work toward your values. And then the final part of what we're going to share today is the T in act. Take action. If the thought you have doesn't move you toward those value directions, then remember it is simply a thought. A thought is a thought is a thought. And again, we are wired to be drawn toward these negative thoughts. So if that thought does not move you toward your value direction, then move that thought through. That might require um, putting in place a mindfulness practice to be able to, uh, you know, do some nice controlled breathing exercises when you're kind of focusing on your breath going in and your breath going out. Guess what? Your brain is not thinking about the negative thoughts or ruminating on things. Or So sometimes that mindfulness practice and doing that over time is enough that when you catch yourself having these negative thoughts that are not toward your values, then you're going to turn to the breathing or you're going to be present, but you're going to learn how to move those on through. Um, let me kind of wrap it up here. So uh, we are trying to avoid fear, fusion with your thoughts. Remember, um, you have fused this belief with your thought that you believe is true, but oftentimes that will stop you from taking action. 
Uh, fear, fusion with your thoughts. E, evaluation of your experience. A, avoidance of your experience. R, reason giving for your behavior. Those are the things we're trying to avoid. The healthy alternative is act. A, accept your reactions and be present. C, choose a value direction. And T, take action. So today we talked a little bit more about that concept of diffusion, and I'm going to come back and do a lot more with this because there is so much more you can do with the concepts of acceptance and commitment therapy. But just remember, um, even when you are going to try to make a change on what you're hearing here today, your brain is pretty hardwired right now, and it's going to want to tell you that this isn't maybe going to work. Your brain, again, from back, from that episode I did about why is it so hard to be happy, I pulled back up this uh, the, a couple of quotes from that book, The Happiness Trap. Again, and I'll, I'll end with this. Why is it so difficult to be happy? Just remembering that our minds did not evolve to make us feel good so we could tell jokes or write poems or say I love you. Our minds evolved to help us survive in a world that was fraught with danger. Uh, the number one priority of the primitive human mind was to look out for things that would harm you and avoid it. The, the primitive mind was a don't get killed device and it proved useful to, to do that. And the better that our ancestors became at anticipating and avoiding danger, the longer they lived, the more kids they had. So now... Uh, the modern mind is constantly on the lookout. This is a quote from the Happiness Trap book. Assessing and judging everything we encounter. Is this good or bad? Is it safe or dangerous? Is it harmful or helpful? These days, though, it's not a saber-toothed tiger or woolly mammoth that our mind warns us about. Instead, it's losing our job or being rejected or getting a speeding ticket, embarrassing ourselves in public, getting cancer, or a million and one other things that we our minds will worry about. So as a result, we spend so much time worrying about these things that more often than not will never happen, and they become fused. Again, we have this fusion to our thoughts. Uh, we also have this desire to belong to a group. If your clan boots you out of the group, it won't be long before the wolves find you. So how does the mind protect you from rejection by the group? Comparing you with other members of the group. Am I fitting in? Am I doing the right thing? Am I contributing enough? Am I as good as the others? And again, if that sounds familiar, we have to remember our modern day minds are continually warning us of rejection. They're comparing us to the rest of society. So we spend so much time worrying about whether other people will like us or worrying that if we chase after these dreams, uh, that, that somebody's going to make fun of us or that we're going to get booted out of this group or this clan, whatever that we're in, you know, putting ourselves down because we worry that we don't measure up. So, and back a long time ago, we only had a few things to compare ourselves with. But these days, take a look at newspapers, magazines, TV, and we can find a host of people who appear to be smarter or richer or slimmer or sexier, more famous, more powerful, um, more successful than we are. And so then we compare ourselves to all of those glamorous media creations. We feel inferior. We feel disappointed with our lives. And to make matters worse, I love how uh, Russ Harris says this, our minds are so sophisticated that we even conjure up this fantasy image of the person we'd ideally like to be. And then we compare ourselves to that. So what chance do we have when we'll always end up feeling not good enough? I just have to throw this in there. Last night, I volunteered uh, throughout the night at, the, at an aid station for the Western States Endurance Run, a 100-mile endurance race from Squaw Valley, um, uh, Nevada to, uh, to Auburn, California. I've done this 100-mile race three times. It's the Super Bowl of hundreds. It's amazing. But I didn't get in this year, and I haven't run an ultra marathon in a few months. And so I was there volunteering, having an amazing time, brought my daughter with me. It was one of, it's one of the greatest experiences, just staying up all night and, and helping these runners come through the aid station. It is just amazing. Such wonderful people. And guess what? My, I, I kept noticing that my mind kept going to man, Tony, you haven't run, you know, a hundred mile race and gosh, it's been what a year and a half. You know, you're a, uh, boy, you're uh, you're losing it. You know, you're, you're not this ultra, you say on your podcast, you're an ultra runner and it's been a little while, you know? And I thought, holy cow, look at me comparing myself even to that, that creation that I think that I am supposed to be all the time as if I need to run an ultra marathon every weekend in order to be able to say that. Um, but so then I had to notice that's a thought. A thought is just a thought. What are my core values, beliefs, and goals? And then is that thought 
um, moving me closer to those or is it not? If not, let's move that thing on through, right? So we worry, we, we worry so much about not measuring up. So over time, our brains have been shaped so that we're hardwired to suffer psychologically, to compare, evaluate, criticize ourselves, to focus on what we're lacking and to rapidly become dissatisfied with what we have and to imagine all sorts of frightening scenarios, most of which will never happen. So no wonder it can be really difficult to feel happy. So what do we learn today? Um, the, the core, the belief, the beginnings of acceptance and commitment therapy. Um, acceptance and commitment therapy is going to help us learn to live with some discomfort. You must have discomfort if you want to reach your goals. That's just the way it is. And it's okay. And it's okay to feel um, that discomfort. And, and it does become a process of learning where your mind will get pretty good at learning what to do with that discomfort. That is something that I promise you. That is something that I, even as somebody who is a therapist, who preaches this, who practices mindfulness daily and who is going after um, my hopes and dreams and identifying my core values and beliefs, it, it is a regular struggle. But the key is of just how you, how you frame that struggle and how you change that relationship with your thoughts so that those negative thoughts, those thoughts that you have previously been fused to, don't guide and rule your life. How you can notice them for what they are, how you can kind of move them away, move them out of your out of your head and start to create this more meaningful existence that is in line with your core values and your beliefs. Okay. Thank you so much for joining me today on the virtual couch. Um, look, I, I look forward to uh, your feedback and please look for that episode that's coming out, I believe on Wednesday on National PTSD Awareness Day. And I would just, I, I would love for you to share that episode when it comes out, especially if you have anybody that is struggling, you might feel like is suffering with PTSD. Um, Jeff Adamick is a highly decorated military veteran and uh, and he is beyond brave in talking about his struggles with the, his mental health struggles and um, especially with PTSD. So until next time, uh, I will send you away with It's Wonderful by the lovely, the talented Aurora Florence. Compressed emotions flying past Our heads and out the other end The pressures of the daily grind It's wonderful Elastic waste and rubber ghost I'm floating past the midnight hour They push aside the things that matter most
you broke the pain. It's